Captain's Log Supplemental. Fascinating. Ice out. Live long and prosper. But it's a mystery. I don't like mysteries. Give me a bellyache and I got a beauty right now. Four phases locked and ready to fire, sir. In the hands of an adolescent. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Geeking Poetic Podcast. I am uh, your host here with my funny little my little bald guy here that I'm just gonna rub, just gonna rub him for good luck. He's waving hi. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I am Larry Roberts, across the way, round the corner, down on the corner. I don't know the rest of the words. We have something none. In the street. Yeah, something <laughs> in the street. Pooping in the street. Hopefully, he's not pooping in the street. We have none other than Vito Marchese, who is not pooping in the streets. No. Okay, good. Pooping <laughs> it in the streets. Pooping in the streets. Sorry, I got Doobie Brothers on the brain. Which Doobie you be? Yeah, Megan. Which Doobie you be? I be Megan. Megan. Ubi. Megan who? Just Megan Doobie? Megan Doobie. Megan Doobie. Megan Doobie. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to get totally tongue-tied with that one. Yeah. So, Miss Megan guess over Hi. here. And you, of course, are watching Trekking Poetic. Her truck will spot the... Explode. Which I, we still haven't done in intro for, no, but no. one of these days. Well, that was that was that was my take on like Trek perspective was supposed to be kind of like my Mortal Kombat. How I stick in Rumble. Oh yeah, <laughs> Monday Night Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, see, I can't use my "Let's Get Ready to Mumble" joke on you anymore because you've been much better about being heard and we fixed my mic a little yeah we fixed your mic a little it wasn't all your <laughs> I still fault. mumble yeah a little bit but you've been pretty good about it so i'll take i'll take it easy on okay <laughs> take it easy but we are here to talk about um this kind of a special episode because we're going to take two episodes and just compress it into one episode because it's really kind of one episode. It's just a two-parter. Very famous episode from the original series for a multitude of reasons. And this episode is The Menagerie. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> so uh, lots to say about this one. Um, yeah, he's like, woo! <laughs> it's a my time! <laughs> but uh, lots to say about this one. But again, as always, before we get into the meat and potatoes of it, Vito, what did you think of this one? Very, very excellent. Probably one of the top ones I've seen so far, if not the top. Yeah. All right. Now yeah. we're talking. See, now we're talking. <laughs> well, this is an exceptionally good one, I think. I'm very biased for personal reasons, but uh, a lot of people seem to agree. This one won a Hugo Award. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, wow. it's one of only two Trek episodes, original Trek episodes to ever win hmm. the, a Hugo Award for... Hmm. So it's that I know like there have been websites uh, was it space.com voted it the number three Star Trek episode. Wow. See now so, that I can see. See it's like 
Mm. So it's it's highly regarded, you know, overall. Um, Megan? I am agreeing. It's one of the top top few, if not the top, top, top. Yeah. I guess it's it's the top, top. It's in <laughs> tip-top shape. The old tippy-top. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the tip of the top. I guess that shouldn't be too much of a surprise for anybody if, if they've been watching. When you better have been watching. <laughs> if you haven't, go back and watch all the other episodes, man. Come on. Do it. Get with it. Get with the program. I don't want to just talk to hear ourselves talk. Well, he does. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say is that it shouldn't be too much of a surprise because a lot of the menagerie uh, is called from the very first um, pilot pilot episode, correct? That was the cage, right? Uh, what they did was, like we talked about in past episodes, <laughs> Roddenberry and company were like hurting in terms of running out of time mm-hmm. and resources and stuff to get these episodes done in time. Like right. they were no, all the special effects did not help. No, exactly, and they were constantly like turning in these episodes at like the last minute there were times that they they, were already filming sometimes yeah 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 they were well there was times that they were actually turning in the episode to the network to air like the same day it was going filmed yeah yeah like it was ridiculous like they were really cutting it and so they were talking with roddenberry and stuff they were like look we need to buy ourselves a little bit of time here so he said let's take the old footage we had And let's figure out a way we can use this because we have a whole episode's worth. And not only did he reuse it to be able to do that, but he made two episodes out of it, which was pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty smart on his part. Um, And so then he made a framing story around it. And that's how you notice in like the framing story, there's like, you know, there's not much in the way of special effects. You know, it's Mm -hmm. pretty it's pretty sparse, you know. Them in a room. Yeah, a room and a room and a room. You know, they had to create those shuttle craft uh, yeah. scenes. That's probably the most elaborate thing they, they did for it. But otherwise, all pretty basic. And then, of course, what they had to do for Pike with him. In the uh, Dalek costume. It went, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Good for you, Vito. He did a Doctor Who. Yeah. He's I right. know a small percentage of Doctor Who trivia in that <laughs> and it was a, but and it was accurate because yeah. yeah, he did look a lot like a half human Dalek. Yeah, I kind of was thinking I was like, I was I, yeah, I as I was watching it because I watched it earlier today actually, and I just to not like I haven't watched it five million times, <laughs> but I decided to watch it again just to have it fresh. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought of when you first see Chris Pike, you know turn you know to the camera and everything and he's in that is i was just like how much would it suck to go from being this badass like captain of the fleet which is what he became eventually when he when he got hit by the delta rays the delta rays that you guys got that question wrong when we did star trek trivia torture i'll put a link here for that (laughs) if you want to see him get it wrong when he got fucked up by the delta rays and everything it's like you go from being this badass you know dashing captain guy and then you've literally been reduced to being a space Roomba (laughs) with a blinking light and yeah (laughs) and that's another thing so here's the thing I'm just gonna get right into it I love 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 
this episode. I love the menagerie. This is the one that when I was a kid, I talked about this on the cage episode, so I won't go on too long. But this was the one that when I was a kid, I most remember because my parents loved it and we videotaped it on Betamax. And so I had that on tape. I watched it a tons of times and everything. I just, I just always really liked this one, but being honest, like watching it now, there's like certain things that I'm just like, yeah, I can see how this was sort of like a quick fix script by Mm -hmm. Roddenberry and everything, because Think about all the technological advancements that the human race has had by the time the Star Trek original series is supposed to occur. And the best they could do for that fucking brother was put him in a Roomba Dalek costume and and give him a big blinking yes, no thing like that. Now, I know McCoy says, you know, the one thing we haven't really been able to tap into is the brain. But I'm like. You could have come up with something better than that, man. You know, like even now they've got in the 21st century, we've got things that are, you know, better Stephen than Stephen Hawking, you know. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it's you true. couldn't you couldn't come up with something better than this poor Blinken dude. Like, I don't know. Like Those Delta rays really fucked him up. I guess. But they proved that he's got a completely fine, active mind. I mean, it's like they they couldn't even figure out a way like. I, even if people want to be critical of me and be like, well, come on, dude, you know, give it, give me a break. It was the 60s and think about it. It's like, I, yeah, you know what they had in the 60s? Fucking Morse code. <laughs> they couldn't even have just been like, all right, here. Think Jason Becker. Yeah. The famous guitar player who's got ALS, sadly, you know, it's tragic, terrible story. But Jason Becker's a badass. And he developed a way to be able to speak using his eyes and a chart and all this stuff. And and he has people that translate for him. It's like, they couldn't do this in the 23rd, 24th century, huh? They <laughs> just couldn't do that. No, we got boop, boop, boop. Like, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. They, it just, when I watched it today, I just don't know why that, like, stuck with me. I was just like, that's that's annoying. I liked it just because it made him a more tragic character. Like, that's all he's reduced to now is two blinks or one blink. Right. So, I don't know. All right. That's, yeah. All right. That's fair. I just, from a storytelling standpoint, yeah, you're right. I, I do think that it does make him more tragic. But I just wondered how much it just kind of made, if anything, it like made the made it easier to write because without him being able to tell anybody mm-hmm. his story, tell anybody what's going on, he could not, you know, the, he couldn't give it up. You know what I mean? Like to people like, Oh yeah. It, it was imperative that he couldn't wasn't able Spock to communicate. Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't tell on Spock. He couldn't do, he couldn't do anything. So there, it's interesting how many, what are now considered to be like classic, iconic star trek characters are in this that were only ever in this like they didn't appear i mean all the other well i mean i guess there have been some others like tribbles i guess only appeared once right Mm -hmm. in the original there's but but like you know romulans and klingons and vulcans they appeared in multiple episodes and stuff but like you had 
the Orion slave girl that only appeared briefly in this one. And everybody knows the Orion slave girl. I mean, they spoofed it. Of course, they used the Orion slave girl later in Trek for other things. Yeah, brought her back because she's so amazing. You know, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, she is. I think we're nailed that one on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Vito, we're in agreement on that. We like the Orion slave girls. All right, she, she, I, yeah, the only person who's got gangrene that you actually like. Oh, you know what? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like the only time you see her. It's the only time you see Pike. It's the only time you see the Telosians. You know, and everybody remembers the Telosians. You know, like everybody, ta- you know, they joke about it's you know, bald butt heads, you know, or testicle heads or whatever they are. But it was only ever in this episode. I mean, there was no reference to any of these characters ever again on this show. But I guess it's a testament to how good and memorable the episode is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Orion Slave Girl, so the actress, they actually got Susan Oliver, who played Vina, to do the Orion Slave Girl, which was like pretty cool. Like, I thought that was really cool because it's such a total change from who she is as Vina. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Like she acted it really well. Like, I don't you know. You could have, they could have gotten like some model. Yeah. Like some playboy model type chick to be out there dancing, you know, half naked painted green and everything and just said, oh, it's Vina or whatever. But she actually did it, which was pretty cool because that had to be like quite a undertaking back then, especially to, I mean, because they really. If you look at that makeup and everything, like they really did her up, man. Like she, there, there was they didn't cut any corners with that, but <laughs> they had a problem with it because and I think we might have talked about this in the cage episode that every time they sent the negatives into the lab, <laughs> they thought the people they kept color correcting, <laughs> yeah, it, they trying kept, to color correct it. <laughs> they kept trying to color correct it and make her look normal, and they were like, "Why does this keep happening?" Until they Roddenberry finally figured out he was like, "Yeah, because they sent it back." And they made her more green. Right. And they said, I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? So, yeah. Yeah. He was like, can't you just leave it alone? Like, how about this? Don't color correct it. <laughs> and then surprising. Oh, look at it. It looks great. It's like, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> just just leave it alone. But um, I know that the actor that played Mendez, Malachi Throne, he has appeared in other Star Trek episodes later. Um, so he's, so even though his character doesn't get brought up again, I believe he, he does. Well, wait a minute. I take that back. Doesn't, is Mendez ever in it again? I'm trying to remember if he is. So the actor Malachi Throne, he provides the voice of the, the keeper in the cage and everything. Now. I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you watch the cage, do you notice that there's a couple points where the voice changes? Mm-hmm. Not so much. It's not in, they ch- they changed it in, in um, the menagerie because they didn't want people to recognize the voice. But there's like parts in the cage, at least in the first version of the cage that they released, where they used the original footage and then they, they, they compiled it with the menagerie footage and stuff. Right. They changed... Uh, the keeper's voice to be that higher, you know, voice like that. But in the original version of the cage, it's it's Mendez's voice, and you totally recognize his voice. Like it, they, <laughs> because this is actually performed by a woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the Telogians were women. Yeah. And ironically enough, the actress that played this character, her name was Meg. <laughs> so we have our own. 
Telosian butthead. (laughs) (laughs) So then he played Mendez in The Menagerie. So that's kind of like a cool twist that he was actually in. His voice was at least the cage. And then they brought him back to actually play a role in The Menagerie, even though they removed his voice from The Menagerie. Nah. <laughs> you get my point. But uh, he also was in Next Gen. He played Pardek, a Romulan senator in Unification. What do you guys think about the framing story that they came up with in this? I mean, I love it, but I have a few questions about it. I just kind of want to see what you guys think about it, like about the 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 way they took the story they built around it like does it feel did it feel like it all made sense or did it feel like there were certain parts of it that like i did excuse me that were like a little like well that doesn't make sense quite you know yeah it seemed like there was a couple holes in there well i mean i, mean, I love the story the yeah whole, <laughs> the whole idea of it so that spock goes in there kind of goes rogue and i loved it it reminded me of a next gen plot yeah. You oh, know. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it is. Well, let me bring up. Okay, so let me bring up one thing that I that I noted was when they're on uh, the planet, when they're on uh, at the star Starbase Eleven, yeah. when they're at Starbase Eleven, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, where did they get this message from, and then they start kind of getting suspicious of, well, you know, Spock is the only one that has any kind of connection to. Uh, pike here and all this kind of stuff you know and and almost immediately they jump to the conclusion of well we got to bring up talus four we got to bring out this file and we're going to show kirk this file talking about it and everything what i think i have the answer for you okay because i because yeah because my question is is like you haven't deduced anything yet you don't know you don't even know if the reason the enterprise was actually pulled here was anything to really do with pike even though it might have said you know pike sent a message or whatever like there could be all sorts of ulterior motives but right away you jump to like oh i bet it has something to do with that old talus four incident (laughs) it's like spock was served with pike for 11 years Four months and five days, I think it was. 11 years, four months, five days. I think that's it, yeah. (laughs) They had to have gone on hundreds of missions, hundreds of missions. And within literally an afternoon, you jump to this conclusion of, oh, I bet it's a super top secret, you know, Talos 4 incident kind of thing. And it's like, and there was no precedent set for that, you know. But Meg, I'm really curious to know, what 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 do you think? Okay, because when we talked about this before, you were right. like, when they get into the, the the spacecraft, the shuttle and stuff, and they find out where Spock is going and it's laid out, and you it was like, well, they, then they could have tracked it. Right. Like That would make more sense. Right. But at the end of this episode, that guy wasn't real. How long was he not real? Was what? he a Telosian? They wanted to point Kirk in that direction from the get-go? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the... Telosian, when at the very end of the show, when it starts communicating with Kirk Mm -hmm. after everything's all said and done, says the Mendez that you were with in the shuttlecraft and at the trial was not there. Does not say the Mendez that was at Starbase 11 was, was not him. And that would make sense. 
if it was uh, planted there, mm-hmm. you know, in, in their minds was an illusion, as they say, it was an illusion. <laughs> and uh, if it was an illusion, then it would totally make sense why he brought that up. But that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense why they would automatically jump to that conclusion. There could be umpteen hundred reasons of why this was going on and they automatically jump to well it's that talus four thing that happened like 10 years ago it's like (laughs) fuck bro like what are you talking about like you know and yeah like i said to you i feel like if they would have not if they would have done the same thing of jumping to the conclusion of talus four after they had Spock had already taken off with the Enterprise and they charted his course of where he was headed, then it would make sense. Then I would understand of them going, well, we looked it up and he's heading into the area. You know, he's headed towards, you know, we we, we looked at what they, the uh, he programmed into the computer, the, the chart that, you know, the course they charted or whatever, and they're headed towards Talus 4. Well, what's that? Oh, well, let's, oh, look at this. Then it would make sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Now what yeah, I'm saying, yeah, for sure. It's like I know I'm nitpicking, but I guess that's the point of this show. <laughs> is I just feel like I'm like, well, and I again, it's another one of those things where I never thought that deeply about it, but now that I'm like really analyzing it, I'm like, well, that's a little lazy. It's like we have to come up with some way to introduce the Talus four thing into it, you know, and there may have been something else that was in it that got cut that explains that better. And they didn't go back and fix it. Bingo. That could be B A N G O. (laughs) Bingo is your name. (laughs) That could very well be. Yeah. I mean, cause again, I mean, these episodes were long. There was more than enough footage there. They did. There was a lot there. And I know that they did trim these down a little bit from what they'd originally cut. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that that's what it is, but you could be right. There could have been dialogue. There could have been things that led them to that. And if that's the case, then okay, cool. But as it stands, it's just like, eh, that sort of bugs me a little bit. Yeah, because there could have been something in the notes. And Captain Pike's notes is like, if I ever go missing, look at Dallas 4. Yeah, or yeah, it could yeah. yeah. Who knows, you know? Or it's like, yeah, it's like after that Talos Four thing, he could be like, you know, could have put something in the log there and been mm-hmm. like Spock was a little weird about the whole thing. So he was like really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Cause as we noted before, I that's some of my favorite parts <laughs> is when they show the Spock scene. He scenes. has emotion. Yeah, they have some emotion. It's funny that they left those in. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. another thing. It's like it's it's funny that they didn't edit out the scenes they didn't have enough thought to go like ah oh, we should probably edit out when we show Spock smiling and stuff because that's not really in character they're like nah just leave it in <laughs> it's like a little Easter egg for people yeah. mm-hmm. you know when they the women it's <laughs> <laughs> like whoa well seeing these old crew members the pilot episode crew members I like them a shit ton more than the original series cast just off the bat. Wow. wow! Yeah, really? I love Captain Pike as a captain more than I like Kirk. Wow! Yeah, yeah, I don't know. When they're on screen, I'm like, yeah, this feels like 
good. But when the original cast is on, I was like, there's something about this I'm not really gelling about. I don't know. Even the doctor, I like him better than McCoy. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, I do like. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh-uh. I'm sorry, Megan. Son of a bitch. I just feel, I don't know. I do. I like the I like the original series <sighs> cast in the movies, but when they're on the show, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. I just don't. Well, they're still give it time. finding their way. Yes, give it some time. Because, like in the prior episode, Bones and Kirk were at, like at each other's throat and stuff. They're not friends, or and Spock and him do it all the time too, where Kirk's yelling at him, and that's not how it is in the yeah. later episodes. But I do love that McCoy like is sticking up for Spock throughout this whole episode, even though he hates his guts. I love that about it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? like, if you're talking about me or you, we'll go half, half cocked all the time, yeah, yeah, and yeah. not Spock. That's not Spock. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. yeah, I I agree. I really like that part. I noted that too uh, when I was thinking about it earlier. Is that it's like wow, yeah, McCoy is really on Spock's side with this one, and um, I know people really like when McCoy and Spock go at it, and sometimes it is funny and everything. But I kind of like it when they all work together yeah. a mm-hmm. little more. Like I feel like there's a better chemistry there. Like, I like when they bag on each other, you know, when yeah. they, like, joke on each other. But when they're just, like, I'm not, re- let's put it this way, I'm not real big on racist McCoy. Like, it's it gets, he they, they overdo it sometimes, you know, where it's like, okay, come on, you know. <laughs> like, at this point, he hasn't warmed up to him yet. Like, come on, you know. <laughs> But yeah, that does soften over the over the mm-hmm. the seasons and stuff. So, but anyway, um, yeah, man. I mean, it's tough for me because I'm with you, dude. Like, I love uh, I love the original, the old Doctor. I love Pike. Like I said, man, it's tough for me. I, I, I can't really say Pike is my favorite captain because he was only in the one, you know. Only going on one episode, it just feels funny saying that, you know. Yeah. I mean, at least at least in terms of favorite captain compared to Kirk, you know what I mean. I, you know, we're not getting into like Picard and all that kind of business because that's a whole other thing. Yeah, nobody mm-hmm. trumps Picard. That's just <laughs> never. I don't know. Happen. Some people are big fans of Janeway. I'm a huge fan of Janeway, and sometimes she's right up there, but right, it's Picard, man. Right, I know, Megan. I know you agree with that. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Not even a little. Telling Fucking cry, baby. Season three and on from Voyager is spectacular. I'll get to it when you guys make me get to it. I guess <laughs> she's well, like at least waiting a while. I say <laughs> she's like I got about a decade before I got to worry about it. Um, and then maybe I'll eat my words, but until then, she's a cry, baby. Yeah, I'm so inclined to favor the original cast and crew. You know, Jeffrey Hunter is great. He's a great captain. I get. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason he ended up not being the captain because they wanted him. They wanted him to come back mm-hmm. and everything. And he didn't want to commit to a TV show because yeah. he wanted to be a movie star. He was. He said, "I like movies." You know, and that was back in the days. You know, which I mean, up until fairly recently, actually, it was kind of regarded that way. TV was always like below. Yeah. Movies. Now TV, it's like you know you want. I mean, that's more desirable. I think. Yeah, movie, exactly. You know? Like people. Yeah, are, all the oh, movie stars are going to TV shows you know? now. Exactly, yeah. but back then it was different. So, I guess I understand it. Unfortunately for him, it kind of killed him because he, in 1969, when he would have in theory still been probably working on Star Trek, 
he was filming in Spain. He was filming a movie in Spain that was uh, ironically about the Chicago mobs hmm. and everything. And a uh, an exploding window prop went wrong and it was supposed to go outwards and instead it went inwards. Ooh. So it it I, I don't know that he got cut so much, but it like concussed him. It like fucked him up really bad. Hmm. And on his flight back to uh, the U.S., uh, his wife said he was like out of it. Like he he became like comatose and like hmm. he like couldn't speak and he was almost like paralyzed. And they were like, what the fuck's wrong with him? Took him to the doctors. Unfortunately, the doctors were like, oh, we don't know what's wrong with you other than you've got a concussion hmm. and stuff. And um, a short time later, he was like in a flight of stairs or whatever in his home. And he had like a brain like seizure like his brain was bleeding or whatever and he like fell and hit his head on like a railing and oh, all shit. this stuff and they tried to operate on his brain but he died wow. so yeah so sucks, being man. in the movies killed him yeah he died yeah jeffrey hunter died young you know and it was 1969 hmm. he'd already been married three times by really? that point <laughs> he was a scoundrel man <laughs> He was, but see, he was a proper Star Trek <laughs> Enterprise captain because you got to be, you know, you got to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a playboy. <laughs> even even Picard, don't let Picard fool you, man. You know, he tries to come off like he's so no man. Yeah, he's, he did have a lot of women. Yeah, yeah. He was, but he was always a gentleman about he it. He was man. smooth he, about it. Exactly. He was more smooth. <laughs> he was never. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> proper English gentleman about it, but you know. Uh, after years later, after Star Trek uh, went into syndication in the seventies and stuff, they actually put the two episodes together, sort of re-edited us slightly, and made a feature-length movie out of it mm. that they actually showed in the theaters. Really? Yeah. So Star Trek Menagerie is technically the first Star Trek movie. Huh? Really? I mean, oh, if you want it. it I get well. I shouldn't say technically. I guess technically it's not. It's you know you can put anything in a movie theater and say it's a movie, and you know you can take an episode of fucking Sesame Street and show it in a movie theater, and it's still an episode of Sesame Street. But for all intents and purposes, this is the first theatrical Star Trek movie because it came out before motion picture. Like they started showing it in like mid late seventies and stuff. And uh, that's, like I said, that's where I know it from. I don't know it from the episodic television. I know it from when they released it as a movie. So to me, it's kind of weird. And that's why, like I said, obviously, aside from the fact that I grew up so much with this one, more so even than the other ones, I have a different impression of this one because this wasn't just, like I said, one of the other episodes. This was the first Star Trek movie I saw, mm -hmm. you know, so... Again, getting back to what we were talking about previously about it make just like we were saying about the order of episodes and how what order you see them in affecting your impression of it. I think that's the case here, too. Now, I mean, we all like it a lot. We all really like this one a lot. But I think for me, like I still think of this one as a movie. Hmm. And I saw it. I, well, I wasn't the first time I saw it, but I remember seeing it. The same day that I went and saw the premiere of Star Trek The Motion Picture. So I saw the two of them on the same day, which wow. was awesome. <laughs> and how sad was it that Star Trek The Motion Picture was so much more boring and, 
everything. I've actually grown to love that. But for people who are like, hey, man, I've grown to love that movie now. It's still drawn out and boring at times, but it's uh, yeah. but it's but it's still good, man. There's still parts of if you took listen, listen. <laughs> if you took Star Trek the Motion Picture and you had the ability to re-edit it and even change a few things around and stuff like that, you could make that a fucking badass movie. I do like the V'ger plot where the plot fight. is cool. I like that a lot. But dude, that shot where they're going from shuttlecraft <laughs> to the Enterprise is like 20 minutes long. And it's, it's not so, twenty minutes; it's like twelve, dude. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Even when you fast forward on a VCR, you're still waiting there five minutes for the scene to go through, dude. I know, it's- <laughs> I I know. So Migo came out, and I'll put a picture up of it. So Migo, for as awesome as they were and everything, uh, you know, if you grew up in the '70s like I did, you loved Migo, you know. But boy, they could bungle things sometimes. They just. They didn't do the research. When you think about like the next gen figures or even like the ones like the like the uh, Pike figure that came out, that came out in the 90s. And those toys were great. Megan's a huge fan of those. Yeah. And everything. Uh, Those toys were great. And you think about the detail and everything. Mego did not take the same kind of uh, care in making sure that the things they did were correct. So they came out with a Telosian figure and made the Telosian short. Like maybe only, so if this figure is like this tall, the Telosian only came up to like here, (laughs) which is not at all like how it was on the TV show. And they also gave the Telosian like a weird, like jumpsuit, like, (laughs) like moon boots and like a yellow jumpsuit kind of thing and called it the Telosian. Okay. So then you think they'd remedy that, right? Well, okay, let's remedy that. Well, let's come out with the keeper. Now this this is the keeper. Voiced by Malachi Throne. Played. But that's not Amigo, obviously. No, this is not Amigo. This is this was just something that I bought this at Suncoast Video back in like nineteen ninety one. Remember Suncoast <laughs> Video, everybody? That place was so cool. But anyway, they came out with uh they said, Okay, we're gonna come out with the keeper. Named it the keeper. And it's Baylock. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'll put a picture up. It's Baylock. It's the it's the puppet thing. It's Baylock in oh a Telos- in a Telosian <laughs> type wow. robe with the Baylock puppet head. It's it's like how do you how do you get it that wrong? You know, how do you screw that up so bad, man? Like they just have some guy on the team is like, Yeah, I th- oh I think it was it looked like this. Yeah, that's it. It's right. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. I, you know, usually, um, usually these companies, these toy companies get reference photos and files and, and cells and stuff. So if something was like, it could have been something, it could have been something at Paramount where it's just some secretary at Paramount, like dug through, found a Baylock photo and said, oh yeah, that looks like that kind of, cause it's like (laughs) with the bald head and said, yeah, there you go. And, you know, if the people at Mego, I mean, they're just a toy company. They're not necessarily fans, you know. Right, yeah. So, I guess. But that being said, those figures are actually quite expensive. I'm sure. Yeah, I wish I don't have them. I don't. I have a bunch of the old Migos, but I don't have the Telosian or the Keeper. So, I kind of want them. It's like, I want them because they're so kitschy and mm-hmm. because I'm a dork and I want all that stuff. But I look at those and I'm like, I can't bring myself... <laughs> 
because things like that that short jumpsuit you know disco disco telosian you know with the moon boots and stuff that thing in the on in the package like that goes for like five six seven hundred dollars whoa it's very rare well they were they were limited release you know they were they were released very limited quantities so you say that, man, but if you found out if there was some kind of like rare like T two type thing, and even I don't know. Man. Well, you're just not really into toys yeah. and stuff. But if there was something akin to that, that you you know, you might be like you know, I mean, you you'll go spend like thirteen hundred dollars on a fractal X effects. Yeah, but <laughs> I can guitar. actually use that for something. It doesn't just sit in a. So you say so you say I can't use my little no, disco. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Unless you're going to bring it on stage with you and put it on your pedal board, then you know which I you probably would. would you know actually, I so. would. You know I'd do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> he has. He's brought Star Trek figures to the studio and on his pedal board for live shows. So yes, I. But have. I've done it too with Predator figures on my board. There as you well, go. So there you go. See, well, we wouldn't be proper geeks if we didn't do this. So. Um. Anyway, I mean, I don't know. Like so much of this, we already talked about in the cage and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's a whole lot more we really gotta wax on, wax off about it. But um, it's a great episode. I yes, mean, it I, is. I think that it's one of those ones, uh, kind of like other shows, like Doctor Who or or any of them where or even next gen or whatever it's, this is one of those ones where if somebody said, I've never seen star Trek, the original series, uh, you know, pick a couple episodes for me to watch, to like, try to turn them on to it. Kind of like I did with you with doctor who and Mm -hmm. all that stuff years ago. This is definitely one of those ones. And, Mm -hmm. And not just because it's a sentimental favorite of mine, but because I think it exemplifies even with its flaws, some of the best in the writing, in the storytelling. Um, it also kind of shows why Star Trek would have been better served for as great as it was, for as much bagging as we do on here. I think sometimes people are probably like, do these guys actually like Star Trek? <laughs> we do, Cause actually. Because we, we bag on it a lot, I know. <laughs> but it exemplifies why... Roddenberry and them would have been so much better off had they been able to have more time to write. Because I think part of what makes the cage so good was because they had time because there was no deadline. You know, they had plenty of time to write it. Mm -hmm. They had a bigger budget because it was just a a pilot. Mm -hmm. They had a bigger budget than they had on average for each episode once the show was greenlit. Mm -hmm. And it benefits from that. I think that that's a big part of why the writing and the story is so much better and so much deeper, you know, and those characters are so much more interesting and stuff is because he had all the time in the world. It's like, it's like when bands have all the time in the world to make a first album and they make a great first album and then they go out and tour. And then like eight months later, the label's like, all right, get in and make your second album. And you're like, Oh shit. (laughs) I had like, five years to write the first album. Now I got to write the next album in like five weeks. You Shine know? down. Shine down. <laughs> uh, they've got some other good stuff. Yeah, but that first album, dude. Right. So good. That's the case of a lot of bands. A lot of bands have had that, that second album. They call it second album syndrome, you know? And when you get a band that gets past that, it's like, okay, you're, yeah. you're good, you know? Yeah, so maybe it's a little bit unfair to try to hold this up against the rest of the 
series because they had so much more benefiting them to make this as good as they did. But because they had that whole budget and time to make all the cage stuff. And then they had their normal budget on top of it to make the framing story yeah. with the, the menagerie mm-hmm. story on it. Well, it's they a, had two budgets because they made it in two different episodes. It, right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it it does have a little bit of uh, extra advantage to it and everything. But like I said, it just makes me realize, like, imagine if Trek could have been made that way all the time. Like, how fucking awesome it could have been. I think that's all we need to say about this. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to get out of here. Megan, are you going to give them their, their Vulcan uh, farewell? Can you do it? Mm. See, you're getting better. All right. Yeah. Boom. Howdy. Peace, y'all. We will see you. Wax on. Wax on. <laughs> we will see you very soon. So stay tuned. See ya. Bye-bye. Oh. <laughs> This communication has ended.